This is an unknown Packers production brought to you by Black Husky Brewing. Jerry Dog License Z-Man on Tap is brought to you by Black Husky Brewing, the one and only sponsor of the Unknown Packers podcast, located at 909 East Locust Street in the Riverwest neighborhood of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I would like to welcome my brother from another mother, Jeremiah Wayman. Also, a very special guest, Zach Jacobson of Packaday Podcast, the Leap Podcast, Cheesehead TV. Welcome, Zach. Can't thank you guys enough for having me on. Uh, We can't thank you for for coming on. And now we know your nickname. You know my nickname. We know Jeremiah's (laughs) nickname. So uh, get this podcast rolling. Uh, Zach, tell me a little bit about, obviously, everyone that will be uh, listening to our podcast, I'm assuming is very familiar with your work, but can you shine a little spotlight on what you do and what you bring to Packers Nation? Well, if they really want to know, I guess. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I've, I am a writer for Cheesehead TV. I, you know, I write the stories or I report on any news that's breaking, any things along those lines. I've been doing that. It's crazy how fast time flies. I've been there since middle of 2016, I would say going to be three years in 2019. So, uh, there's that. I am a contributor to the pack a day podcast that's engineered by Andy Herman, who everyone else I'm sure is very familiar with as well. He's doing an incredible job. He's absolutely killing it. And Andy, if you're listening to this, I hope you are recovering well from your uh, gallstone issue. And I am also, um, oh, I appear on KLGR 1490 AM. That's a Minnesota radio station with uh, Seth Dupal. He's a Vikings fan, so spare him a little bit. <laughs> it's going, he's going through a tough time just like we are. I think we're going through a better time right now, especially based on Monday. Uh, I digress a little bit. Tell me a little bit about... Uh, the Leap Podcast. I, I actually, this just came to my attention today on my Twitter feed, um, and I noticed that you released an episode last week with the firing of Mike McCarthy, and now you've mm-hmm. got your next uh, episode that you released today. I, I, I loved it, and so tell me a little bit more about The Leap. No, I appreciate you checking it out, man. Uh, it was Kevin Jones who, uh, he covers the 49ers. He gave me the opportunity because he started a I, this this network called Blue Wire, which is just a plethora of different podcasts. James Jones, actually, a former Packers receiver, he has a show on there as well. I was shocked to find that out. So I'm kind of part of that team where it's just a kind of bunch of different podcasts about a bunch of different sports, some of them just purely football. And as of right now, I'm the only Packers show on there. So just a weekly, sometimes more than weekly show, 25 to 30 minutes dedicated to the Packers. And I'm already two episodes in, and like I said at the beginning of the the show I posted today, I haven't gotten the cancellation notice yet, so i got to be doing something right. Tell me a little bit about your background. Um, Are you from Wisconsin? If you're not, how did you become a Packers fan? I want to say you're in California right now, right? Yes, sir. I'm in California. I'm actually born and raised in California. I have only been into the state of Wisconsin once in my life. Lambeau Field? Yeah, Lambeau Field. <laughs> For the October 20th, 2016, the Thursday night game against the Chicago Bears. I think Aaron Rodgers set like a career high in pass attempts that night. It was very ugly, but they won. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, that was the one time I was in Wisconsin. But other than that, how I became a Packers fan. That's a fun story, actually. There's, there's a book 
called Return to Glory, which is written by Tom Kessenick and uh, Kevin Isaacson. It covers the 1995 Green Bay Packers and their their return to glory, you know, to quote the quote the book title, their whole coming back to prominence, I should say, in the mid-90s, right before they got the uh, Super Bowl 31 title. And once I was four years old, I would say in 1999, I started looking through that book and it had a few pictures in it. And I would just look through it, look through it. Obviously, I didn't read it, you know, I'm freaking this four-year-old kid, but I'm checking it out. And I, for some reason, I just fell in love with these uniforms that the Packers were wearing. I think it was the sleeves that they wore that they had in the '90s. I don't know what it was, but it just caught my my eye for some reason. And then as I got older, I continuously picked up that book and I would actually try to read it. And I would read through the whole thing and just bestow this knowledge upon myself about the Packers and the, the history of this team. And there was also a 1996 team video that I would watch every single night before I went to bed. I would fall asleep to it in elementary school, and it was just, it was crazy. Like, I had an obsession growing up. And for anyone that's listened to our podcast, uh, Zach, can you let us, let them know where they can find you on Twitter and the rest of all the products that you release under that Packers umbrella? Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at uh, Zach A. Jacobson, Z-A-C-H, not Z-A-C-K. I just had to point that out because I've been dealing with that all my life. So, <laughs> Funny story. I actually went to Starbucks and they spelled my name Z-A-D. Oh, no. Z-A-D. I don't know how that, that, that happens, but it happened. It's close. It's close. I had a Starbucks experience where I came back um, from Thailand jet-lagged. And I don't remember saying this, but apparently I said Roscoe. <laughs> oh, yeah. What made you get involved with... Um, Packers writing and now with uh, Packers podcasting? Well, I've always had just a love for football, you know, and obviously, you know, math in school, math wasn't my strong suit. I'll say that flat out. Like I, I was bad at math, but I was, I, I knew I had kind of like this hidden passion, I guess, for writing. I never did anything to, to bring that out though. But I went, you know, I played football. I got into, I tried to get into coaching at one point and I didn't. I just couldn't find the right career path for me. But eventually, I really just kind of fell into journalism, and that's kind of what I've been pursuing ever since. And you know, just built up my my presence on social media, I guess. And Cheesehead TV picked me up after I wrote for a, a previous site uh, called the NFC North Bar Room, and the rest was history. I just every every time every every time I wrote or any time I do anything related to my work, podcasting, anything, I just focus on getting better, you know? Because that's all you can really do with with anything, any kind of crap you master. You just do your very best to get better every single time, every single day. And that's kind of been an emphasis for me. Well, it's clear that that's something that you're passionate about. Is that is that your only concentration right now? Or do you have another line of work? Or is this something that you live and breathe day in and day out? Or a combination of both, I guess. I would say a combination of both. Like I have, I have my day job, and then any chance I get, I, I'm I'm writing. I'm doing work for Cheesehead TV or, you know, a podcast or anything like that. The writing, I I treat it as if it's a it's a full time gig. And then what's your down the road, or even I mean maybe even tomorrow? What's your what's your focal point? What's is there a goal in mind, or is this where you're at right now? This is what you want to keep on doing, or do you have something? in mind that you want to continue to climb that ladder? Oh, I always want to keep growing, uh, whether it's 
through my work or career-wise. Or, you know, I managed to catch someone's eye elsewhere and the opportunity is right, then I'll dive into that. But as of right now, Cheesehead TV is my primary focus because Jersey Al, Aaron Nagler, the guys there, they, they gave me this opportunity. So it's, I, I feel that it's up to me to do everything I can to give everything I can to the website and just bust my ass there, you know, every, every day. Well, I think it's crystal clear the product that you put out, the passion that you're, you're involved in Twitter handle as well. Um, that's where I get a lot of my knowledge. And so once again, thank you so much for being part of the unknown Packers podcast. As we move into our episode to talk about the Packers playoff scenario, especially after the Viking Seahawks game last night, Jeremiah, tell me what's on your mind real quick with, uh, the Packers playoff hopes. I'm, you know, I'm excited about it, especially after the the shellacking that Seattle kind of put on Minnesota last night. You know, going into it, I was kind of the of the, I'm not going to say tank, but I was I wasn't really wholeheartedly believing that there was really any chance. Um, and still, obviously, th- this game against the Bears is really going to be a stepping stone that we're going to have to take head on and meet that challenge. But you know, the, the teams that have to lose, what, one game? So that's uh, Carolina, Washington, Philadelphia. Vikings to have to lose two or three. I mean, the path is right there. We have to win out. Um, and obviously, from what we saw in the Vikings last night, the possibility of losing to, I think, the Dolphins is, I mean, within reason. And then also, you know, they have to play Chicago in uh, the, the final week of the season. So that's, I think, totally within the realm of possibility. Um, and makes yeah makes these past uh, couple or next couple weeks pretty exciting. Well, and they fired their offensive coordinator, so Filippo right. is on the streets Oof. right now. A couple weeks ago, I said that he was a guy that I was hoping uh, to be one of the head uh, coaching candidates for the Green Bay Packers. Maybe just an offensive coordinator job right now. I know him and Mike Zimmer did not see eye to eye. You got to think. I mean, unless just like what the Packers did, where they bounced back with Joe Philbin, and I guess that galvanizing moment where Mike McCarthy got fired, you had Bashad Breeland with the pick six, and the Packers seem to have righted the ship a little bit. It's interesting to see what the Vikings will do moving forward because, man, they look god-awful last night. What's your take, Zach, on the Packers' playoff scenario? I was actually Jeremy's camp. I, I Jeremiah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> god damn it, Zach. No, just kidding. <laughs> sorry. I'm not editing that out. I was actually sharing the same sentiments as him like I you know I didn't want them to tank but losing is, is of course welcome you're not going to root for it but are you going to be upset about it but if they win that's also great you know because it's a freaking win but at this point I'm feeling this like horde of confidence just going over the playoff scenario because it's I just feel like it's entirely possible and the more I go over it, it doesn't seem that far out of reach because the Vikings, they they welcome Miami into Minnesota. And the Dolphins are coming off of that hot win over the Patriots, that big win, that miracle. And then they go into Detroit. That's their, their final two games against the Lions and the Bears, two divisional games, like these divisional games, they can swing either way. I don't care which team has which record or which team is hotter. Divisional games always swing either way. You always see the 49ers and the Rams going back and forth and giving each other problems. And the 49ers and, and, and Seahawks sometimes, they're always giving each other problems because they know each other. They're familiar opponents. So no matter how bad the Vikings are or how less bad the Lions are, 
they they know each other. So those are two possibly losable games right there. Now, the Bears could be resting their starters by Week 17. We don't know what the situation is going to be with that. So, preferably, you want the Vikings to lose these next two games just to avoid that possibility where the Bears are starting Chase Daniel in Week 17. Now, you also need the Eagles to lose the game. You need the Redskins to lose the game. And you need the Panthers Panthers to lose the game. I think that's the easiest part of the whole thing because all three of those teams are definitely going to drop at least one game unless fate is just completely against the Packers and doesn't want to see them succeed in any facet. And they all three of those teams win out the rest of the way, which that's like virtually impossible. But I feel very confident. I will say that. I'm very much almost a Pollyanna, very optimistic, glass half full type of Packers fan. Packers are five, seven and one. And I when they beat Atlanta and now we're, we're looking at Chicago and if you kind of check in on what's going on on Chicago Bears radio and what they're talking about, the Packers are going in at 5-7-1. and one, And the Bears keep clamoring on how the Packers suck and, and how the Bears are better than the Packers. And I get a kick out of how scared Bears fans are when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. I, don't, I look at this Green Bay Packers team, and yes, I think that um, maybe they've righted the ship a little bit, and maybe I think all these these next games are definitely winnable. It'll be interesting to see what Packers team shows up, and if this was just one of those things where everyone came together, everything clicked right, and the Atlanta Falcons are really that bad of a team, and they played at Lambeau, or if the Packers really are on their way to a nice winning streak. What do the Packers have to do? Um, on Sunday in order for um, them to leave with a victory. I think it's got to be kind of the same as what we saw in the second half of the, you know, first uh, first game of the year in the Bears game when we came back from 20 down. And then also kind of what we saw in the first uh, first couple drives against Atlanta with those the quick passes, you know, Randall Cobb uh, kind of getting his mojo back with Aaron Rodgers. And then, you know, the defensive side, obviously, is going to be, you know, keeping, I think, Tariq Cohen has become the kind of focal point for the Bears and Matt Nagy's system. Um, so if we can kind of contain him, and then, of course, uh, you know, the elephant in the room, Khalil Mack, and that defensive line is just ridiculous. And especially with the injuries that we've had to deal with on our O-line, um, you know, if there's a possibility that Bulaga comes back, I'm not sure. I haven't looked into that quite yet. But, you know, Spriggs, I think you mentioned that, actually, Zach, podcast from this morning, uh, was that Spriggs actually performed admirably i guess or okay so i mean if you can even have remotely a similar game to that uh you know come chicago that would be huge but yeah i mean it's it's going to be a tough game no doubt i mean their defense what they showed against uh the rams i mean that's that's a tough defense no matter how you look at it i think you really just gotta it's it's gonna come down to getting to mitchell trubisky and making him uncomfortable because if you make him uncomfortable he's gonna turn it into jay cutler 2.0 and if he turns into jay cutler 2.0 then that Packer defense, that secondary right now, which isn't looking as bruised and battered as it was a few weeks ago. Even though Kevin King's on injured reserve, Bashad Breeland's standing out, Tony Brown looks like a player, Jari Alexander is obviously really good. They're not struggling at the safety position as of, as of right now. Josh Jones played relatively well against the Falcons. He got the start. Then they're going to have a pretty good game. You just got to get Trubisky uncomfortable. That's really what it is. And I don't... Personally, I don't know if the Packers have the assets to do so, you know, in terms of their pass rush. They got a chunk of their pass rush this year from the interior, from their defensive line, and Mike Daniels isn't there anymore. 
he's gone for the year. So we're going to need Kyler the freak Fackrell to step up and have a big day. His MVP performance. It, shockingly enough, probably the Packers' best pass rusher. As crazy as that seems. What's crazy is uh, we uh, we got interviewed by um, CBS 58 back uh, last year. Oh, nice. Er- earlier in the year, probably January, February. And uh, they were talking because we, we do both spoken English and both American Sign Language for the Unknown Packers podcast. And um, as we were wrapping up the interview, uh, someone made a comment about Kyler Fackrell's the news anchor, uh, Scott Grodsky. And I said, I'm still on the Kyler Fackrell train. And I saw him in OTAs, obviously, it was what without pads a couple years ago. And I thought that he was lightning. And, and now we're starting to see a little bit of what I saw in OTAs with the pads on. So I, I'm still rooting for, for Lord Sackrell. There's still something where I watch him where I think, wow, like when he makes plays, he's just, he seems like a, a roided up uh, Dan Rudiger, Rudy from Notre Dame, just a guy that has all this heart, but I just don't know if he'll ever be that type of all-pro guy. Obviously, what was he? A, was he a third-rounder when we drafted third him? Third-rounder. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, that's a higher pick. I just don't – for me, I would love for them to have some sort of opposing pass rush and have, have Fackrell compliment. But do you think that Clay Matthews give another great, quiet, solid performance like he did this past Sunday? I sure hope so. They're going to need him to because I, I noticed you referenced the word quietly because <laughs> that's exactly what I use. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm plagiarizing. I know. How dare you? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and the more I watched it, like, or the more I kind of like reviewed the game, I, I finally got the chance to today. It wasn't so quiet. He stood out. He made plays and he was really, I don't want to say all over the field, but he looked like, Clay Matthews of of old and shockingly he sacked the quarterback and he didn't get flagged for it which that was becoming like the iconic duo of of the year for the Packers Clay Matthews and a yellow flag and it we didn't see it so that was that was promising right there but he he's kind of been he's been disruptive all year obviously when it comes to the pass rushers these guys they disrupt plays they get in the quarterback's faces but if they're not getting home and they're not making tackles and they're not making sacks, then it's not going to show up on a stat sheet and it's not going to it's not going to look good in terms of player evaluation. But if you're watching some of the things he does on film, he's he's had a good he's had a good year in my opinion. He's looked quick off the edge and you know, that could be because he's entering a contract year, he wants to stay in Green Bay, I don't know. But he's definitely been far from disappointing. It's type of it's that type of performance where you hope that Mike Pettin sticks around, at least in my opinion, whoever they bring in as a head coach and um, whatever they do to that coaching staff, because you can see that type of influence that Mike Pettin has. And I think Clay Matthews, he's definitely that guy that obviously he's not worth the contract that he has right now, but you bring him in on a team-friendly deal and we'll see what happens. Same with Bashad Breeland. As we transition into the end of Jerry Doglice and Z-Man on tap, it is our face-off. It's not Nicolas Cage, John Travolta. It is Jerry, <laughs> Doglice, and Z-Man. And Even better. Yes, yes. The sequel to face-off. Each of us will do a round robin. We'll do uh, each a question. So, Zach, you are you are fortunate enough to have the first question asked to Jeremiah and myself. Okay. Anything or just related to the Packers? Um. Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I will... 
I, I hope it's Packers, but I'm not going to twist your arm. Uh, you're giving me too much freedom here, Bryce. Yep. <laughs> Let's go. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it. Now Packers I'm a little nervous. Now I'm a little nervous. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. I won't make you guys demean yourselves. It's all right. Um, we demean ourselves every episode. That's the whole point <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> all right. Since we were just discussing Clay Matthews, I'll give you guys one option here. You got to pick one player to bring back in 2019: Clay Matthews or Randall Cobb. Bryce, you going first, or you want me to go? Take it away, Jerry. You know, I'm gonna go uh, Randall Cobb. I stuck with him. I think he was my choice over, you know, whether you keep Randall Cobb or you keep Jordy Nelson. I think I was always on the Randall Cobb train as far as that goes. And then I think just, you know, what you saw on Sunday versus the Falcons, uh, what you saw against the Bears in week one, I just think Randall Cobb, you know, has that relationship, that connection that is just kind of immeasurable with Aaron Rodgers that I don't think you can get rid of easily. I'm, you know, obviously you, you bring him back on a, like you were saying with Clay Matthews, you know, a, a team friendly contract. I mean, you're not bringing him back at the, you know, 10 or 11 or whatever million he's making right now. But I think just that, that partnership that they have. And then, you know, that, that allows still MVS and Equinemius and, uh, you know, Javon Moore, if he's around or Kumaro to, you know, allow them to kind of transition a little, maybe more slowly into that role of the number two, three, you know, four wide receivers rather than kind of be forced into it next year. And, you know, Clay, obviously, that does kind of decimate that depth at that position if you get rid of him. But, I mean, we're going to have to kind of, I feel like, rework that position no matter what with happens with Clay or without Clay. I would like them to bring back both, especially after seeing Randall Cobb just pretty much bitch slap whoever came after him uh, during that melee when Luke the Duke Patrick Told him, hey, that's my quarterback. You don't mess with my quarterback. Um, so I, I, I like that fire. I like the the bounce back year with Clay Matthews. But I'm going to say neither. I think that uh, when you look at moving forward, and obviously I could be incorrect and I'm, I'm wrong a lot of the time, 95% of the time. But I think if you move forward, you start to leave the Ted Thompson era and you focus on the Brian Gutekunst era and – for me, I just look at what Brian Gutekunst wants on that offense, wants on that defense. Obviously, you're giving up a lot of veteran leadership, but I'm going to, as much as I like to uh, give uh, Peter Bukowski uh, a tip of the cap, he said that I think that Bashad Breeland is the only guy that you bring back that has that expiring contract. So I'm going to say Bashad Breeland is the only guy that is playing in a contract year that comes back. Oof. I would say I would hot take, but that's pretty. like. Pretty. <laughs> I uh, never knew that I could do a hot take, but apparently, I mean, we could end the episode right now. That was like a mic drop. I was not expecting <laughs> to say that and everyone just to be stunned. I, yeah, I'll be honest. I was not expecting neither. I think if you if you look towards the future, I think you transform the team into more of a what is playing on the field today a little bit more modernized, maybe even a little bit more transcendent. And I mean, yeah, you can bring them back on, on friendly deals, but part of me just thinks that Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy, they're trying to right their wrongs not to say that Cobb and Matthews are, but I, I do see, I, I see an evolution with the Packers franchise, or I, at least I'm hoping I see an evolution and we see a little bit more younger talent. And with that being said, I look at, 
our 53 man roster. And you could essentially say there's like a 60, 62 man roster. So they'll make some tough cuts next year. So that's my take. What do you think, Zach? I actually agree wholeheartedly with Jeremiah here because Randall Cobb, it was like what we saw against the Falcons, the quick passing game, specifically that play where Rogers took the snap and beat the slot blitz with a quick strike to Cobb and Cobb immediately got his head turned around, caught the ball and he just got drilled over the middle. It's plays like that, that, Guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemi, St. Brown, they haven't mastered yet. And who knows if they will in the future? Who knows if they'll ever establish that connection with Aaron Rodgers and if they'll be able to give off the, the excellence, the perfection that Aaron Rodgers expects out of them. Because we all know it, Rodgers, he expects perfection out of his pass catchers. So Cobb has been able to deliver that over the years. And he's been somewhat of a security blanket on third down in must-have situ- uh, situations. I-, I think, depending on the contract, of course, you got to have him back in Green Bay. While these rookies flourish, it- it'd be good to have him around. That's that's what I think. I also think the Packers draft a receiver high. That's a whole other thing. Well, actually, Jer- I was going to switch it to Jeremiah real quick, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my uh, question real quick, Jeremiah. Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. Fire it away. With, with the two picks with the Green Bay Packers, uh, I, we just released an episode to Tanner Dunkel of Green 19 Packers. He's really high on the fact of trading the, the latter draft pick, or we're assuming the latter draft pick of, uh, actually, it will be the latter draft pick with the Saints, and either trading that for a top-tier playmaker. He even suggested George Kittle from San Francisco. I don't think that's going to happen. But then I, I mentioned, do the Packers take then a top-tier tight end with that last draft pick you are the general manager z-man so you've got the first you've got the packers first pick and then you got the saints pick what position or even if player if you know what what do we attack in that first round i would love an early round tight end but i just i don't know i would love to have like another kind of jermichael uh, finley and i think the packers can get that in noah fan from uh iowa thing is you'll probably be able to grab a similar talent in the third round, or I wouldn't say similar talent, but somewhere in the mid-rounds, like, just a guy that can run routes and catch the football and occasionally pass protect, run block, whatever. You know, that's all, that's, that's all you need. And with a, with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, that's that should be your primary focus. He hasn't had a tight end like that in some time, and he hasn't had true consistency at tight end since Jared Cook late in 2016 because, you know, he was injured the whole first half of the year. But I, I, I just, I think the first, couple picks i think you keep them and depending on where the packers finish obviously maybe you can package both and move up deep into the or early in the first round and potentially draft one of the top pass rushers who you know who knows they have so many options with these picks there's so much flexibility and i i just think the two positions that you want to target are edge and wide receiver that's that's my take because we don't know if Geronimo Allison is going to be back. We don't know if Randall Cobb is going to be back. We don't know what we have in Valdez-Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown. Sure, they flashed at times. That's great. But, you know, in the long haul, what are we going to get out of these guys? Do you, you know, maybe you want, maybe you want another guy on the opposite perimeter from Devontae Adams. You know, another big body that can divert attention away from Adams or vice versa. Divert attention from him. Adams would take up all the coverage. You know, you, the Packers, they... They could use that in an offense that looks as stale as it does right now and as, as boring as it does, or as it did most of the season prior going into, uh, going into last Sunday. 
Um, safety is also a need, but it just it all depends on how the board falls. Because as far as I know, there aren't too many safeties I would pick right now in the early round. Mm-hmm. It just depends on how the board falls. Your thoughts, Jeremiah? Yeah, it's funny. Actually, that was going to be one of my questions as well. Um, just about <laughs> is this finally it's more just based on time to draft a tight end as we kind of seem to just jump into free agency the past couple of years or the past what, three, two years, three years, try to fix it that way. And that that hasn't really worked out for us uh, besides, like you said, Jared Cook. But, yeah, I think, you know, I I kind of looked at it last year's draft. Um, Ian Thomas, who now is finally kind of showing what he can do uh, as Greg Olson went down. But he was had in the fourth round. And so I think if there's a guy out there like that that can be had in, you know, late third, fourth round. And, you know, there's a, there's a it seems like a pretty deep class, honestly. Uh, Caleb Wilson out of UCLA, Caden Smith out of Stanford, uh, the two guys out of Iowa who will probably go in the first two rounds. Uh, Herb Smith out of Alabama has been praised pretty well. But, um, yeah, I definitely I think this has to be a year where we try to solve that position. Not, you know, not in the first round at all, but I think within the first four rounds, I think that needs to be a focus uh, along with edge, O-line and uh, safety. Yeah, I've been hard on Josh Jackson quite a bit, and I think deservedly so, even though the rookie wall or him still learning the NFL. But when that 45 pick, I was really, really high on them drafting a, a, a tight end. I, I, Dallas Godert from South Dakota State, who ended up going to Philadelphia. Hayden Hurst from South Carolina, who ended up going to Baltimore. And Mike Jasecki, Jasicki from Penn State went to Miami. They were all in that second, third round range. Um, Jermichael Finley was drafted in the third round, a very young uh, tight end that was drafted. Uh, what are your thoughts on, and I'm going to butcher his last name, but Albert Oak. Oakwegbanan or Oakwegbanan. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with him? Yeah, oh yeah. I was just not gonna try and say his last name, so I'm glad you went for it. Oh fuck it, I'm gonna try it, but I, I'm gonna bash it for sure. But I, he hasn't even declared yet out of Missouri. But if you look at his his highlight reel, he seems like that guy that um, that explosive type of tight end that uh, Tanner was alluding to with with George Kittle. I think San Francisco hit a home run. I want to say that. Uh, George Kittle was another late round, I mean, mid to late round tight end in the fourth or fifth. I digress again. Jeremiah, what is what is your question? Uh, my question, so obviously, um, I don't know if you guys were, had a chance to check it out today, but that article from uh, Rant on uh, Sports Illustrated, just kind of talking about, you know, his his time during the hiring of Mike McCarthy and then his thoughts on the, the firing of and kind of the timing of it. And so, you know, my question to both you guys is, and I, I had maybe thought of this when it happened, but, you know, with the firing of Mike McCarthy, when it happened with, you know, four weeks to go in the season, um, kind of that open period for uh, college coaches, do you think, I mean, honestly think that there is anything to that or you think we're just, or I maybe me personally, I'm just trying to read too much into that. Or do you think this is because we're, we're really wholeheartedly going to go after uh, Lincoln Riley, um, you know, Pat Fitzgerald or uh, any number of college coaches that are out there? Well, as much as I would love the idea of, of Lincoln Riley, I don't think there is much. Who, who am I to say there isn't much truth to that? But I personally just feel like the Packers knew it was time with McCarthy and that they wanted to try and salvage what little bit of the season they had left. And they knew they weren't trending in 
that particular direction under McCarthy. I think the whole timing of the firing was just based off of kind of giving him a, a little bit of a jump start before he can, you know, pursue other coaching opportunities elsewhere and he can, you know, figure out what he wants to do next in that line of work. And I thought personally that was a classy move. They also saved him, as we've mentioned before, and as multiple people multiple people have said before, it saved him that whole month's worth of rumors and speculation on his job, on you know what he's going to do next and whether or not he's going to be fired. So it's probably a good thing that the Packers fired him when they did. I don't think there was any hidden intention or incentive behind it to kind of get a jump start on one of the, the college coaches out there. I'm still keeping my fingers crossed for Lincoln Riley. He's one of my top three candidates right now. That'd be that'd be crazy if the Packers managed to kind of steal him away from the collegiate scene. I mentioned this uh, in yesterday's podcast. I mentioned this last week. I do think I need to get some sort of cream or prescription to calm my uh, fever that I have for Lincoln Riley. I it, It's gotten... <laughs> It's gotten to a very unhealthy level. Like I said, a couple weeks ago, I I was actually maybe about three weeks ago, I was really keen on the idea of John DeFilippo because of his quarterback background. And last year, I really liked how Philadelphia orchestrated their hierarchy. They had quarterbacks coach um, DeFilippo, they had offensive coordinator Frank Reich, and then they had Doug Peterson as their head coach. All former quarterbacks, obviously DeFilippo went to Minnesota, got fired. Frank Reich has um, sort of resuscitated the Indianapolis Colts and a little bit of uh, Andrew Luck's career. He He was my top coaching candidate last year, Frank Reich. I really wanted the Packers to go clean last year. If you're going to make the move to go from Ted Thompson to Brian Gutekunst and then overhaul the staff, bring in... Uh, a new coach and bring in a new coaching staff. So for me, the whole the whole firing, I was shocked. I thought they were going to wait to the end of the year. Um, by them firing them now, like what Zach mentioned, is that they avoided that circus of get Mike McCarthy out of there. They spared the embarrassment of the organization and Mike McCarthy. But I do, the silver lining of that fact is that I feel like they realized that they made a mistake. And for years, I felt like there was a disconnect with Mark. I mean, it was, it's was it been proven that there was a disconnect with, with Mark Murphy and Ted Thompson. But there were so many wrongs that never got righted. And as a fan base, we started clamoring for that. We, we noticed that. And then we got hushed. And I think the one thing that I it, it, it makes me breathe a sigh of relief is that Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst realized that they made a mistake. They should probably have cleaned house like they should have last year. Instead, they gave Mike McCarthy another opportunity, even though that he signed an extension last year midseason from Ted Thompson that was withheld from the public. But instead of letting that circus go, I felt like that they made the right choice and now they can focus on this coaching candidacy. I would love Lincoln Riley to come to the Green Bay Packers, pair him up with a Zach Taylor from the Los Angeles Rams, have him go from quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator. He's also got ties with Joe Philbin going back to Miami as the offensive coordinator there. And then I would love for Mike Pettin to stick around. Did they fire him to get a jump start on Lincoln Riley? Who knows? But I feel like they made the right decision. And based off of last Sunday, even though that the Falcons are a really, really bad team, I, I felt like I saw the team that I expected all year long. A team that's, like you said, Zach, that's not really exciting. They're very simple, but in that simple approach, they can be 
effective. And so I'd like to see what happens with the Bears. Um, I'm still holding on hope that Lincoln Riley comes to the Packers, especially since Jeremiah mentioned in a couple episodes before that there have been NFL minds that have tried to pick the brain of Lincoln Riley to implement his strategies and his approaches to the NFL. So he's almost like a consultant, so to speak, for the last couple of years, surround himself with some uh, head coaching experience. And I think the sky's the limit, especially what you see with Matt Nagy, Sean McVay. I think that answered your question. I might've gone on a tangent kind <laughs> of within my fabric. Tangents are welcomed. Oh yeah. Hey Zach, I just wanted to, so you mentioned that, you know, uh, Riley is one of your top three, who would be your other two? Top candidates. As of the last couple of weeks, my my numero uno has been John Harbaugh. Oh yeah, that's right. If if the Ravens do end up cutting ties with him, which it probably it looks like they might, um, unless they make the playoffs though. Unless they make the playoffs, which the Steelers are trending in the wrong direction, the Browns are surging. We don't know what the hell's going to happen over there. Like that old division is a mess. I don't know what to make of the AFC North right now, but. Whatever happens there, if Harbaugh is let go and they, you know, they're trending in another in another direction with Lamar Jackson, their Harbaugh's out the door as well. We don't know, but if he is, he would be my number one option. And Lincoln Riley is second, and I would aim for Josh McDaniels at number three. If this is the kicker with Josh McDaniels, if they can get Josh McDaniels and a very good offensive coordinator, then I would be on board with that. Not not to say that he's not, you know, he's obviously a very talented offensive mind very skilled at his job. He's going to be focused on other things as the head coach, and he's not going to be primarily emphasizing the offense like he was in New England. So get someone else to kind of focus on that area of expertise. Let McDaniels handle head coaching duties. Go from there. That's my top three. Unofficially. (laughs) All right. Interesting. Uh, So give me, before we wrap up, what is your... uh, why John Harbaugh? I've always been a fan of John Harbaugh. And don't get me wrong, like I love Jim too, but he's not leaving Michigan. I think that's obvious. I love John Harbaugh because he's just he seems like the kind of coach that would gel and mesh with Aaron Rodgers. And as opposed to hiring a younger coach, you run the risk of them not seeing eye to eye, butting heads more. But a veteran coach, I, I think he's he's gonna be the best veteran coach on the market i can tell you that much you know hit him and mike mccarthy i was gonna say so, mike McCarthy. yeah i was gonna say better than mike <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're not getting that out of me <laughs> but yeah I, i'm i've always been a fan of what he did with joe flacco and how he was able to win a freaking super bowl with yeah. joe flacco um he's just having that voice with rogers as he enters the twilight of his career you know, he just turned 35 two two weeks ago. You know, so he's not getting any younger. He's venturing down that road late in his career. You Maybe you want a veteran voice, a veteran presence to kind of guide him down that road and get the most out of him as he enters these years. John Harbaugh, I feel like that would, I mean, I, you know, I understand what you're saying, but I think that would put a huge emphasis on, you know, who that offensive coordinator is for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think, you know, he's had... I feel like he's gone through a laundry list of guys in uh, in Baltimore. I mean, I think Cam Cameron. Uh, who else is on there? Um, is it Dean Pease? Dean Pease's defense. That's right. I just wanted to say his name. I feel like they've gone through a revolving door of offensive coordinators, whether that's good or bad. I don't know. So, 
Yeah, a lot of these hires are probably going to be dictated by who they nab as offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. in my mind at least. Well, Zach, you only got one question, so we'll give you one more question. We'll wrap up. Jerry, dog license, Z-Man on tap. Take it away. Oh, one more, huh? One more. All right. I'm not going to let you off that easy. <laughs> I'll keep it simple here. Give me your honest, 100% realistic expectations for the rest of the season. Final three games, Packers go up to Chicago, Soldier Field. They've won eight straight games there. They go up to New York a week later to play the Jets. They come back home to Lambeau to close out against the Lions for the third straight year, actually. But this time, it'll be at Lambeau for the first time since 2014. So what are your guys' realistic expectations? What do you think happens? You know, I'm going to say I'm gonna say they run the table. I think they, uh, I think they go down to Chicago. I think the Bears are beatable. Uh, obviously, you know, tough defense, but I think we've shown that they can be beat. Um, you know, the Jets, I think it'll be a pushover. Lions, of course, you know. So, yeah, I think we'll run the table, and then I think it's just kind of sit back and hope to God that the Vikings lose two out of three. I, excellent question. And once again, thank you so much, Zach, for being part of our Jerry Dog Lice and Z-Man on Tap, our most unique <laughs> and strangely named podcast episode and and we came up with that on the fly that's true that's damn impressive well that's how we that's how we came up with the unknown packers podcast name so it makes sense (laughs) what the bears did to the rams kind of stopped me in my tracks a little bit and made me sit back and admire matt nagy ryan pace what what they've done to actually ryan pace what he's done to really transform this franchise and Bears fans have every right to be excited. I do think it's, it's it's a little odd that they're so fixated on the Green Bay Packers when they are already uh, one of the top teams in the NFL. I think the biggest thing, you know, going back from week one is that Matt Nagy let that game slip away in the second half on top of Aaron Rodgers' magic and greatness. It'll be interesting to see what Matt Nagy does in this game if he's learned from his mistakes. Uh, we're on the road. We haven't won a road game in a year. So I, I, I'm going to say that I think we go into Chicago. I think it's going to be a valiant effort, but I think we fall short. I think we beat the Jets. I think we beat the Lions. I'll be at the Lions game, my second game of the year. And I'd like to see what Joe, I'd like to see Joe Philbin's approach against the Bears. I think uh, a lot of people scoffed at him being a viable head coaching candidate. I don't think he, I don't want him to be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers moving forward. I want them. I don't want another retread. I want something different, but I do want to see what he's capable of. And I'd like to see his approach against the Bears. For me, they, they, they've they yet to show me that they can win on the road and against one of the top four teams in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, I think this is going to be a tough task. Like you said, Zach, if they can get to Trubisky um, and then it's Aaron Rodgers pretty much against that Bears defense, I feel okay. But if if we're not able to get to him, I think I think we're going to have a hard time beating the Bears. Bryce, that was Fair. very expected. I think uh, that was a... Uh... I think I had the Bryce type answer, and I think you had the Maya type answer. I'm 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 growing up. I'm going to be 36 pretty soon. I I, I feel like I, I I'm trying to sow my oats a little bit and trying to relax a little bit. But um, you know what? Every time I've said one thing, the other thing has happened. Packers are going to lose to the Bears. The Packers are going to lose to the Jets, and the Packers are going to lose to the Detroit Lions. Jerry Doglice and Z-Man on tap. I am Bryce Christensen. Jeremiah Wayman, and I'm Zachary Jacobson. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast.